Get ready to explore faith, doubt, and all that's in between. Welcome to Doubting It with Charlotte Pence Bond. Well, hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Doubting It podcast. Um, Today, we are talking to a very special guest, and I'm really excited for the show today. His name is Chris Fabry, and he is an author. He's a radio host. He's done a a lot of things, honestly. Um, So he's hosted the daily program, Chris Fabry, live on Moody Radio. You can check out. He's also an award-winning author. So he's written more than 70 books, which are, some are nonfiction, some are film novelizations, which we'll talk about. He's written novels and he's, I mean, he's gotten a ton of awards. He's gotten an ECPA Christian book award. He's gotten two Christianity Today book awards of merit. He's very, very accomplished. He's won five Christie awards. So he's a really uh, accomplished, really artist, I would say, um, and radio personality. So it's just really fun for me to be able to talk to him today. Um, he kind of started off in journalism and more media stuff, which he'll talk about. And then he went back thinking um, back into ministry and ended up in media kind of again, but in a ministry mindset, which is really cool for me, honestly, just to be able to talk to him and just hear what he has to say about all of it. Um, he also is the writer of the novelization for the movie War Room. And so we get to talk about that a little bit and get to describe the movie and also describe his process in writing that from it being already a movie and into a book. Because that's really interesting to me. I feel like that's something that, I I don't know, is it got to be challenging because it's already a movie, but also kind of cool because you get to expand on the characters a little bit. And so I'm really excited for this today, and thank you for joining. Well, welcome to Chris Fabry for joining the Doubting It podcast today. Um, Chris, thank you so much for joining the show. It's great to have you here. Great to talk with you, Charlotte. Thanks for inviting me. I'm I'm excited. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I was kind of starting to research a little bit for this podcast and try to figure out who I could talk to about the artistic side of faith and religion and doubt and also talk about kind of the, I guess, kind of the the ways in which prayer really can add into our experiences with faith and religion. And, and I thought that you would be a good person to ask about this. So um, I'm excited for our conversation today. Good. Well, I'm, I'm all ears. And as I said before we started, you know, I'm going to be me, so <laughs> I think that's the best. I think that's the best gift that we can give the world as an authentic person. I, you know, we don't need an imitation of somebody else. We need just be who God made you to be. So mm-hmm. uh, let's go. Oh, absolutely. Well, first of all, I just wanted to um, have you introduce yourself. Kind of tell us, tell listeners who you are and what kind of is your personal faith journey and your testimony. Sure, my. Uh, I guess my faith journey is intertwined with career and uh, different travels I've had. I started in high school at a little country and Western radio station and started doing stuff on the air, moved to journalism, studied that, moved to Chicago to Moody Bible Institute, and throughout the years have been able to, you know, kind of be to access the hearts and the minds of uh, believers and unbelievers at the same time. I grew up in a a real strong Christian home, though at at 
a, a real pivotal time in my life. We were kind of untethered because uh, my parents left the church and kind of branched out on their own. And it wasn't until really high school uh, or college that I started to get the feeling, you know, if, if the Bible really is the communication of God to us, and if Jesus is the Word made flesh, uh, if that's all true, then that's a claim on my life. I've got to, I got to be serious about this. If it's not true, then, you know, go live however you want to live, make yourself happy. Uh, however you can. But if it is true, if that really is true, that we can have a relationship with God through Christ, then I've got to take that, I got to start taking that seriously. So it was in college that I get involved with an intervarsity group. Um, my wife, I met my wife at through that group and we were married in the last year of our, um, of me going to college. She had already graduated four years earlier and we just felt like somebody else could cover the city council meeting and do the stuff of journalism. As important as that is, it's like mm -hmm. there's something else. And so we went to Moody Bible Institute, studied there for a year, thinking that there would be something in, in missions uh, after that. And God kind of directed us back into the media arena. Mm -hmm. And I started doing radio again. I, I started writing and have written a number of fiction, nonfiction books in that time. So I couldn't have envisioned that at the time, but mm -hmm. I've kind of worked out, walked out my faith on the page and on the air uh, through the last uh, 40 years or so. Yeah, no, that's amazing. And you have such an extensive um, career and an extensive portfolio. I feel like there's so many different things you've done as well, different kinds of topics that you've covered. Um, what's kind of been one of the most interesting books you've written? Maybe we'll start with books. And then what kind of inspires you to pick a story to kind of go with? I, it's different with different, you know, when I first get, got started, I just wanted to be published. I just wanted to have my voice heard. And so the very mm -hmm. first couple of books that I wrote were humor books. I wrote uh, The 77 Habits of Highly Ineffective Christians. Mm -hmm. I also wrote Spiritually Correct Bedtime Stories, which kind of flipped things around from the politically correct. Mm -hmm. um, but then I started getting it. I really, my heart was where I've been changed the most is fiction. Because when I was a kid, when I was uh, in junior high, uh, my teacher gave me a list of books to read over the summer. And one of them was To Kill a Mockingbird. And that story seemed so real to me and so immersive that it gave me this, this thought, I want to do that for somebody else. I want to write a story that pulls me in to pulls another person into it, just like I was pulled into that book. And so for the last, you know, since 1995, when my first book was published, I have been searching for that story that would do exactly that. I've had 82 books published thus far, uh, which sounds like, you know, how in the world do you have time to do that? And you have nine children. Um, I wrote a lot of children's books mm -hmm. with Jerry Jenkins. Uh, the Left Behind series had a Left Behind Kids series, and I wrote mm -hmm. 35 of those books. And so uh, I search for stories that make me come alive. I search for stories that may make me ask questions about my own life, about mm -hmm. faith, about the real world. Um, 
And I don't know if that answers your question, (laughs) but I'll stop. No, 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 it definitely does. And, and I think that it's interesting because you say that fiction is, is, has been powerful in your own life. And I definitely think I relate to that as well. And wanting to kind of write more or have stories, I feel like it, it does connect me at least feel like I'm connected to God or connect to what I'm, maybe he's wanting me to do or meant for me to do. Um, how do you feel more connected spiritually to God when you're writing these stories or is it kind of hard? Like, is it, if you're struggling with a a hard topic, does it kind of affect it in that way? Yeah. uh, It's interesting because I, I think I write to understand myself. I write to understand my own story. Uh, Mm -hmm. and it, it's, it happens in a, uh, kind of a surreptitious way that I'll be in the middle of writing dialogue between a couple of characters. And I realize what I just wrote on there is, is instruction for my own life, you know, Mm -hmm. but you can't, if you go at it saying, you know, I'm going to, this is my agenda and this is what I'm going to do. And this is what I'm going to get, get across. Um, I, I think that'll come across as heavy handed, ham handed. You'll write on the nose. If you are simply um, trying to tell the story of these real people that have populated, you know, that you've you've met in your head, if you're just trying to flesh that out on the page, then some good stuff will come of it. And mm-hmm. so you follow rather than ta- having the agenda of, you know, I've got to have it come out this way or that way to just relax and let it go will not only lead you to a, a, a truer story, but also lead you further deeper into your heart. I've, uh, I've loved Pat Conroy's uh, writing over the years, and he has written from a place of deep struggle and deep pain in his own life because of his family situation, his abusive father and, and other things. It just kind of leaks out into mm-hmm. his writing and his mantra always was, go deeper. Uh, I had somebody put a book in front of him and, and for my 50th birthday, and he wrote that mm-hmm. on this. I still, I treasure that, you know, go deeper, mm-hmm. go deep, always go deeper. And as you do that with your writing, then it, it, I think it will really lead you to a good place. I, I keep in my, let me turn around here and find it. I keep in my um, journal each day this uh thing from it's actually in the book of psalms uh thing from ernest hemingway that says a writer's problem does not change he himself changes and the world he lives in changes but his problem remains the same it is always how to write truly and having found what is true to project it in such a way that it becomes part of the experience of the person who reads it. So mm-hmm. that's my job as a writer to, to come up with these, you know, scenarios, these big questions that we all deal with and to write it true, write it from the heart, write it deeply. Yeah. You know, I think that's true. And I think it, it connects us to one another for sure. Um, when you're writing about things, then people obviously are reading them and, and feeling like, Oh, I felt that way too. I think that C.S. Lewis said something like, we read to know we're not alone, um, which is kind of similar to writing probably. You know, if you're writing something and people are responding to it, I think that's a way too to just relate on, like you said, on a deeper level. So 
Yeah, that's definitely interesting. It's have there been books that have been really hard for you to write? Have there been any that kind of you think that God's wanted you to do, but maybe you were like reticent to do at first? Yes. Uh they're all hard to write. And and the hardest to write is the one that you're always working on right at the moment, you know. Uh, and I'm I've been mulling this story over and I've actually had a contract for it for several months now. And I've been kind of afraid to jump into it because of all the, the questions that I have, all the things that I don't know about the story. There's a story that I that I started and have stopped because I I don't know that I have the chops to to write, you know, a historical fiction from the first century. I've got a killer idea for this whole thing, but it's like, eh, do I do I have the ability to do that? Um, but each each project that I that uh, kind of comes to me I feel like uh, I have to be sold on the uh, on the on the people I have to be sold on being able to write whoever that is and in today's culture a, a lot of things will say well if if you're not of the same race and gender and where you grew up you know uh, in in the country then you can't really write about that because how, how could you write about that and I understand that thought, but I, but I also reject it. I, I think some of my most powerful, the things that I've written have been of an older woman, you know, who's the wife of a man. I, I get I crawl into her shoes and, mm -hmm. and see things from her perspective and write it just like, you know, Atticus said, you've, you got to crawl mm -hmm. into somebody else's shoes and walk around in them. So um, that's always, you know, it's, it's the, the struggle is always in here. Can you do that, or can you get past the voice? Can you get permission to to create something that is not exactly your own experience? Uh, so that's that's a that's a real struggle. Yeah, you know, I think that is true, and I think that sometimes it's like those blocks can come up. They talk about the writer's blocks, and I think that a lot of times it is more of a a, a being blocked from your own, you know. Um, inner thoughts or things like that that you're trying to push down as well because I found that I think when I've written it's been you know you actually do have to kind of dig deeper like you're saying and figure things out and figure out how to say them in the correct way um but I I was looking also so you wrote the novelization of War Room which is a pretty famous movie at this point I would say I mean pretty successful a lot of people know for those who don't know War Room is a movie about um, basically about this woman who has a prayer room that she just fervently prays in. And it's kind of, there's obviously other parts to the plot, but that's kind of the the basis. What, what, what drew you, I guess, to that, to that story specifically? Um, the Kendrick brothers came up with that idea, you know, it mm -hmm. was their screenplay, it was their film. And they came along and said, you know, we've heard about some of these other stories that you've written. Would you tr try to novelize what we've thought about, mm -hmm. which is a different, usually you come up with the novel and then they make the film from that. So this right. was kind of backwards to that. Same thing with Overcomer and some other uh, mm -hmm. film novelizations that I've done. But I was intrigued by this because I, I read this script on a plane flight and it was, you know, I had tears in my eyes as I'm reading this. And I also had all these questions about Miss Clara. You know, here she is, an older African-American woman, and she's living in this great big house where the, you know, the closets and the second floor 
why is she walking up those stairs? Why is she still living in this big old house? You know, she doesn't need that big old house. Mm-hmm. Um, what are her fears? What are her family relationships? What are the, what does she remember about her husband that isn't in the movie? Uh, and how she comes up with that metaphor of the the war room, which is very much a a warfare of uh, military kind of image. Um, and so that that really intrigued me and and the power of prayer. Uh, I've always felt like there is when we when we pray, we're tapping into a power that is, more than we can understand, you know, we don't battle against flesh and blood, against principalities and powers. What, why do we do that? What, what's, what's the process of doing that? And what happens when you don't see the answers that you think are supposed to be there? And um, so I, I, I decided, I, I said, yes, I, I really want to flesh this out. And people who've seen the film and then read the novel or vice versa have said, you know, that, that they complement each other. There's you go deeper in the novel because you can tell more of the story, but on, in the film, you you see it kind of lived out. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I, I just love that that whole process of taking somebody else's idea and and running with it. Yeah, I, I think that's really interesting because a lot of times, you know, we will watch movies and and feel like there's more to the story and want to to get more of that. So I think that as a writer, that would be really interesting to kind of do and be able to. I don't know, to kind of find out what the characters and her thoughts are and things like that. You're listening to the Edify Podcast Network. We'll be right back. This podcast is part of the Edify Podcast Network. Edify is a faith-inspiring app that brings together thousands of the best Christian podcasts in one place for your listening enjoyment. Cut through the noise and grow your faith by diving into the world's top Christian podcasts today. Download the Edify app for free from the App Store or Google Play or by going to edify.app. That's E-D-I-F-I dot app. This is the Edify Podcast Network. Welcome back. So when you're writing this, I mean, a lot of people, I think, have used War Room as well, just as either started their own war rooms. I mean, I know people that are very, um, you know, interested in that or very, I guess, drawn to it or, or, or you know, inspired by it, just frankly. Um, what? How do you think prayer helps us with when we're talking about doubt? I think prayer is a, is a complicated topic. And I'm talking to some other people too in the podcast about it because I think a lot of people have in different like ideas about prayer, not vastly different necessarily, but um, I think it's a question that a lot of people have maybe who are interested in Christianity or who are searching is why do we pray, you know, and what's the point and what are we doing? Um, What is your perspective on prayer? I think um, in that specific instance of, of the war room, I knew a couple uh, in our little town, we had started going to this new church, and at the new uh, first meeting of you know people who are uh, going to be members there, there was this little group of about ten people, and Angela and Leon were in the group, and they asked us to play for pray for their son Christopher, who was incarcerated uh, on a federal drug charge. 
So that was the first time that I ever heard of this couple. They had come to faith later in life, very successful. He was a dentist. She was working in his office, and they just had this crisis of faith and really grabbed on to God and what Jesus could do for them. Um, and in the process, then, their son, who was also studying to be a dentist, uh, came out to them and said, I'm gay, you know, I'm, I'm, and I'm not going to lead this uh, Christian life of yours. I'm going my own way. And he got involved in uh, the drug scene in Kentucky, and it was just a real difficult story. But he was arrested on in Atlanta on in drug charges, put into fe the federal penitentiary, and there they prayed for him in that meeting. You know, a, a, a please pray for Christopher. Well, in that in that uh, penitentiary, he found a Bible in a trash can, <laughs> and mm -hmm. he started to read it, wow. and there became this uh, hunger inside of him to really understand more about who God is and his relationship to God. And he became a Christian. And through that a long process, I tell you that because Angela's prayer room, her war room was the first one that I ever saw before I ever started writing the book. Mm -hmm. And it was a, an extra bathroom that they had in their house. And in that bathroom, in the tub, she had put down a rug and there's Along the wall are all these sticky notes of people who would ask her, would you pray for my son? Would you pray for my daughter? Would you pray? And all around there. And she she got in that shower and wore out her knees day after day after day for Christopher for years, for years. Christopher uh, found out when he was incarcerated that he was HIV positive. So you've got all of this stuff that's going on. So what do I believe? You know, what do I believe about prayer? Does prayer have the po possibility to change somebody else's heart, to do in them what, what I want God to do in them? Yes. But I think the main aspect of, of prayer for me is God wants to change my heart. <laughs> he wants to change me. And the doubt that has come in my life has been a doubt about uh, what God wants to do, what I want God to do, who I want God to be. Mm -hmm. I have, my major doubts have been when God didn't do what I thought he ought to do. He didn't show up the way that I thought he ought to show up. Mm. And the more that I discover who he really is and what he wants to do inside of me and surrender and submit to, to that, the less I make God in my own image and I simply submit to what his will is in my life, what, what I think he ought to do or what, where I ought to be in my life uh, by now in my career or with my children or my relationship with my wife, if I can let go of all of those uh, ideas that I have for what he needs to do and allow him to be God, in my life. Uh, the, the rest of that story is Christopher is Christopher Yuan. He, he got out of the uh, federal penitentiary. He studied at Moody Bible Institute. He got his doctorate. He's, he teaches the Bible now, wow. and he's written about his life, his faith. Holy Sexuality is a book that he has written about. 
Um, so yeah. you see the redemptive power of God, and it all starts in that closet, in that prayer room of his mother, who just said, I'm going to pray, and I'm not going to give up. No matter whether Christopher stays in prison or not, no matter whether God heals him of HIV, no matter whether he becomes a believer or not, I got to hang on to who God is as, as I walk through life. So that's, that's part of my struggle with doubt. I think doubt in my life, doubt is when I have cast an image of God for who he isn't. <laughs> and, and my struggle is to then, uh, then allow him to conform me to the image of his son so that I can really know who he is. Mm -hmm. And that's where the pain and the struggle of life come, you know, that mm -hmm. he, can, he can drag me kicking and screaming into real life, who he mm -hmm. really is. Right. That's a great way to look at it. Um, and I think that that kind of that's that's compelling to me as well. Just thinking about when you are doubting God, is it really you're doubting him because you had some idea <laughs> you wanted things to go a certain way, which I think is is hard to surrender and to give up for sure. Um, so how is your daily practice? Do you do you find that you need to pray? Regularly, do you pray throughout the day? Like, I think, you know, people, a lot, I've talked to friends about this, and they kind of have different things that they, they do, um, or even little reminders, like those little sticky notes are so, so good, I think, to just have up. So you're just reminded of that throughout the day. What's kind of your practice with that? I found a couple of years ago that the, the best place for me to kind of pour out my heart is, is when I write, you know, I, I think through my, my fingers and the keyboard. So I would beat myself up for, you know, folding my hands, closing my eyes and having my mind wander or think of all the things that I had to do, that kind of thing. And, and so what I do is I just, I just sit down and I, I, I start praying. Maybe there's a, uh, and writing the prayer. Here's what's going on in my heart today, Lord. Here are the people that are on my mind. Here are the things that are, and I find that there is a certain relief and release of just that. For other people, they can walk and and pray, or uh, they just get down on their knees and do it. For me, it's that process of just kind of, you know, here's where I really am. This is what, these are the uh, anxieties, the worries that I have right now about my kids, about my dog, about my, you know, chickens in the backyard or whatever it is that's going on. So that then throughout the day, uh, each day I do a, a radio program for an hour. And just before we go on, I always pray something to the tune of, I know this is not my hour. I know this is, this is yours. I commit it to you. Help me to go wherever you want me to go with the guests that I have or with the callers that we, we have that we kind of free range topics, help me to listen well, rather than just, you know, say what I want to say today, make me cognizant that you're in, in this, this is, this is yours. So there is that continual releasing of and commitment to your will instead of mine. So what happens is, and, and this is kind of weird that it will happen this way, when I, when I come up against a caller or a, a, a guest who says something that I don't agree with or that it feels like there's tension in there, the tension and the struggle is not a sign of failure. The tension and the struggle is a sign of life. Mm -hmm. So 
uh, it happened just last week. There was a caller who called in who got kind of on a political topic, which we don't do a lot of political stuff that I do, but she got on a political topic and I, I listened to her and I just, I, I asked her a question and I, because I was interested in what she was talking about. Well, why do you, why do you say it that way? And she went on this tour of her own heart, you know, here's where I'm struggling. This is what I'm going. And instead of us being, you know, I'm on this side, she's on this side. What it did was show us how close we are. You know, we're both struggling with the same thing. We're both struggling with the same questions about how do I live out my faith in the middle of everything that we're living in. Mm-hmm. So if I, uh, the reason I say that, if I if I go in with my agenda, if I go in with uh, this feeling of these are the 10 points that I've got to get in here, I'm going to miss something that somebody brings up, especially if I, you know, I want to move on quickly to somebody else who agrees with me. Mm-hmm. When you find that struggle, that's where the life will be. Uh, so that's where the, you know, the doubt and the struggle and the faith and the, you know, daily life, it all kind of comes together. Yeah. No, that's really true. And I think it is in encountering people that don't always agree with us that can enhance our faith too, because they're, you know, I think it's, it's kind of a misconception, which is why uh, I wanted to do this show is because this idea that, you know, no one struggles with doubt once you're uh, religious, you know, whatever, once you're a Christian, once you're practicing religion, you don't struggle with doubt anymore. And that's not really true. Um, and but it's not like a doubt in a I think people are afraid to to talk about doubt because it can sometimes mean, you know, be a fashionable thing in a way of like, oh, I'm not really sure about my faith, but you're sure about it. You just, you know, you you have times when you have questions and that's okay. And I think that that God wants us to come to him with those questions um, and to come to one another with them, which is like you're saying that it can be helpful. Yeah. And, and that whole idea of the fear that gets in there, we think that doubt is, is got to be my fear run amok. If there weren't the possibility that everything that I believe about who God is and who Jesus is, uh, if there weren't the possibility that, that wasn't true, then I would never have to have faith. If it's mm-hmm. all just plain as day and everything is there, then I don't have to exercise my faith in any way. So doubt in a strange way is a gift to us. Mm-hmm. It, it is making us going deeper. It's making us really think about this. And it's, it's kind of what I went through younger is like, is my faith here? Do I believe in, in God? Because my parents said this about this, and I'm just kind of following what they say so that now the next generation, I can pass on their love of hymns to, you know, in a culture that doesn't sing hymns anymore. Yeah. It, is, is it just, am I clinging to something in order to pass it on to somebody else and it's not really mine? Or is it possible to have a relationship with God right here, right now, that is vibrant, that is living, that struggles in, in, in with the doubt, that struggles with, but they live this way. And how do I want to, how do I live this out myself? If I just, I really feel like doubt is a gift right. um, that will lead you really to the heart of God if you let it. Yeah, I I definitely believe that too. Um, I wanted to ask you one final question about if there are artists and writers listening to this right now, whether they're Christian or not, or religious or not, what what would you say to them if they're kind of worried about venturing into these topics um, of faith and writing about them? You know, a backlash they might get or 
if they're afraid of getting it wrong, things like that, what would you kind of say to people? I would ask a question, why are you afraid? Mm-hmm. What, is the, what is the fear uh, that you have? Is it that you'll come off as you know, agenda-driven or have there been other, uh, is there other Christian art that you feel is cliche or uh, n- not up to the level artistically, literarily, musically, whatever? Is it, is it something that somebody else has done poorly and you don't want to emulate that? Or is the fear that you'll be pigeonholed, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> I, once, I once met Garrison Keillor at a book signing. This is years and years ago in Chicago. And it was after my first book had been written. And uh, so he was signing my book and he was uh, surprisingly engaging. And I said, you know, I've, I've, I've had my, my first book published. And I told him, he said, oh, that's really interesting. So, so when you go into Barnes and Noble, where do they put it? And I said, way, way in the back, you know, in the, in the Christian versions. Yeah, yeah you, you're in the ghetto back there. You know, you, you're, it's hard to find your stuff. And I think that's what many people think. I, I don't want to write a faith story that's going to be pigeonholed, that's going to be put in a ghetto. And I would say, you know, if, if you feel uh, compelled to write something that is authentic, that includes the faith angle, and I can't help but do that. You know, it's, it's just part of my DNA. I see, I see the world in that way with people who are struggling with these issues. But if you feel compelled to have that as a component to your story, run toward that and tell the best story that you possibly can. Tell it in all of its raw truth. Like Hemingway said, I'll go back to this, to write it truly and having found what is true, project it in such a way that it becomes the part, the experience of the reader. Because the books that people are going to respond to, the ones that I've responded to in my life, like Harper Lee, are books that make you participate with them. They make you feel like you're not reading about Jim and Scout and Dill and Atticus and Calpurnia. They make you feel like you're in the tree looking down and you see Dill in the cabbage patch. You see Boo Radley, what the, the soap carved things in the knot hole in the tree. You are with them experiencing when Tom Robinson stands, you know, in front of the courtroom Mm -hmm. and, and I don't, I don't think that there is any faith experience that you can have or, or Christian world that you can draw that you can write about that wouldn't be compelling if it's written well, if it's written true. Yeah, that's really true. And, and, you know, so many of those topics are compelling to people. I think people are just sometimes afraid to write about them, but those are the things I think, that when we look at really good literature that's lasted for years and you know, centuries, oftentimes it is stuff that that deals with those those deeper topics of either, you know, religion or just right and wrong in general. I mean, that's what is inspiring to people. Um, so yeah, I agree that Christians should get back in there because it's it's definitely it's definitely something that um, I think people need to hear and to yeah. read about. Yeah, I wrote a book uh, years ago called June Bug, and it's about a little girl who rides around in an RV, an old RV with her dad, and she walks, they park in a Walmart parking lot, she walks in and she looks up at the missing children posters and sees herself on the wall, 
And so the rest of the story is, who am I? How did I get here? Who is he? Is he really my father? And I based that story on Les Miserables. And so Jean Valjean is the driver of the RV. Cosette is the little girl who walks into to Walmart. Mm-hmm. But that that inner struggle of Jean Valjean is really what we're talking about here. It's someone has shown me forgiveness. Someone has given their life to me, you know, the bishop um, who has called him to something else. And so now his question is, how do I, how do I live? You know, how do I live the rest of my life redemptively for this little girl, for the, the town? Do I go back? You know, somebody's accused of being me and I know I'm me, not him. You know, what do I do with that? So there's all that inner struggle that goes on. And, and I think that's the kind of literature that, that I want to write, you know, that sticks with people that brings up these questions. And it's great. I mean, I think we need, we need it. So I'm, I'm glad to hear that. I hope people listening to this as well will, will remember that as well and be inspired by your example and by other, you know, Christian writers and artists that are doing that. Um, Well, thank you so much for joining us on the show today, Chris Fabry. This has been a great conversation. Thank you. Thanks for pronouncing my name correctly. You don't know how many times <laughs> people don't get it right. Thank you. Thanks so much for having me. Of course, of course. Well, I'm glad I did. <laughs> Thank you. Well, thanks so much again to Chris for joining me on the show today. Um, I hope that you were encouraged by that listening to this. I, I honestly do think that there's so much that kind of comes from these interviews for me. It's so fun because I'll do you know, research ahead of time, I'll have my questions and then I'll go in and on often it is totally different and I'll get something out of it that I wasn't even really expecting to get. And I think that with this talking to Chris about, um, about writing, I, I do feel like there's space now more space for Christians to kind of enter into these spaces, write novels, books, plays, um, work in art, working whatever they're doing and and do it um with that with that um that religious backdrop in a way if that makes sense and it doesn't have to just be christians i think that this can be a way that um people of faith kind of come together and, and talk about these larger themes that are really important to us and um that are really important to everybody honestly i mean these are the things that are interesting about b- books that have been you know for centuries have been famous, like I was saying to Chris. So I think that that's really inspiring. If you want to learn more about Chris, um, you can go to chrisfabry.com. His last name is F-A-B-R-Y. And you can also check out his um, radio show. Um, It's on Moody Radio, but you can also go to his website and you'll find it there. He also um, is on the radio show with Dr. Gary Chapman um, called Love Worth Finding, Building Relationships with Dr. Gary Chapman. So that's really a cool thing too, if you want to check that out. Um, Again, he does so many different things. And so I think that wherever we really are in life, we can kind of learn from that and also learn from what he was saying about prayer um, and about how often when we're in these situations and we feel like God is not doing what we want him to do, that can lead to doubt. And sometimes it's important to, like Chris was saying, to actually recognize that maybe that's in ourselves. Maybe that's actually an inner problem where we were sort of projecting things or we were kind of hoping that things would go a different way. 
and we put a lot of emphasis on that. I think it's always important to do that. And and I also loved how he talked about, you know, writing as a form of prayer. Um, you know, I will read my Bible in the morning and I'll pray, but I, I also write things down, um, kind of like a little prayer journal. It's not, I don't write that much, but it's helpful for me to write things down, to kind of think, what am I thinking about today? What am I dealing with that I need to talk to God about? And what are the things in other people's lives that are my loved ones that are dealing with things? And I want to pray about those. And it's cool because for me, I have it in a little um, agenda thing. Actually, my sister-in-law got me for Christmas and it's just a little planner, but it's has every day. So it's easy to kind of keep it up and keep going with it. Also, I'm excited to kind of look back on the year and see the things that God has answered um, or things that went a certain way or went away that they should have gone that maybe I didn't want them to go, but they did go in that direction. That was better. Ultimately, there's just cool things I think we can look back on and be like, oh man, in June, I was really praying for this and look what God did. Um, and so I think it's it's really cool. And for me, prayer connects me to God. Um, and it's one of those things, it's just kind of getting things off your chest. I mean, first of all, obviously in the Bible, you know, we're told to confess our sins to God and confess our sins to one another. But there's also, once you've done that kind of this element of praying and saying, you know, just telling him what, what you're feeling and what you want and what you need. Because I do think that also tends to push doubt away and tends to alleviate some of the stress maybe that comes with doubt. It might not push it away completely. Um, but it, it tends to help us look into um, the questions that we have. You know, you can't have an intimate conversation with somebody if you never talk to them. You know, that's kind of um, it's kind of my philosophy on prayer. And so um, sometimes it, it can be hard. And when it's hard, sometimes that's the time they need to do it. You know, it's a time when you're like, not necessarily hard because you're busy, but it's hard because you're like, I don't, I don't want to talk to God about this. Like, I don't want to tell him that I'm upset about this thing. <laughs> Those are the times maybe when we need to do it even more. But again, thank you to Chris for joining me today. Um, and check out the movie War Room as well and the novelization by Chris, because I feel like that is has got to be just a great book to read as well. So again, thank you for joining me and I hope you have a great rest of your day. Thanks for listening to Doubting It with Charlotte Pence Bond on the Edify Podcast Network. Tune in next time for another powerful exploration of faith, doubt, and all that's in between. And for more faith-inspiring podcasts, download the Edify Podcast app on the Apple and Google Play stores or at edify.app.